Hello and welcome. This is Kruby's request number eight. We're going to be talking about the birds. We're the horror movie crew. I'm Josh. Good evening, y'all. Ooh, you sounded like uh, like Count Dracula. Ooh, Seth here. Oh yeah, shit. <laughs> like who else would it be? I think everybody knows by now that you're the Hey Y'all guy. I could probably stop saying my name. I don't know. But in case we have somebody new, maybe they just they were like scrolling through Spotify. True. You know, we were on Rogan's podcast last week. He had us on. I don't know if you guys saw that. Um, but we were on Joe Rogan. <laughs> he flew us down to Austin. We had a good time. Yeah, it was like a three-hour episode. It's pretty good. It was great. Yeah. We just talked about you us know, mostly hunting and fishing and loving every day. Oh God. What? Nothing. <sighs> I'll have you know. I went on a rant about Eric Church not winning anything at the ACMs, and I had to cut it all out of the last podcast because it was all like skipping. Well, good because it was bitchy anyway. It was very sad. It was a sad day for the church choir. He didn't win anything. Um, I don't think so. No. Has he ever? Um, he wins occasionally. He doesn't win a lot. He's not very well liked in the country community. I don't think. Why? Uh, he's kind of a rebel. Kind of a. He doesn't go with the flow. Such as. Kind of like me, you mm -hmm. know. Yeah, you're a. Uh... You're a real <laughs> rebel there. Mm. Yeah. You don't think so? Mm. Not really. <laughs> huh. Oh, shit. <laughs> what can I do to make you feel like I'm more rebellious? I don't know. Like, I just can't see you. Hmm. I don't know. Get a motorcycle, maybe? Dude, I might buy a motorcycle. Would that make you think higher of me if I had a motorcycle? No. Well, no. <laughs> I can't well, see you on a motorcycle anyway. What the fuck ever. Whatever. I'm, I'm just upset now. I'm pissed off. You are not. You're fine. Yeah, that's true. So, hey, last episode you were telling me you were reading this book about a train or something. What what was that? Murder on the Orient Express. Ooh. Did you finish it yet? No. It's pretty long. How long? Uh, Maybe 200 and some pages. That's not that long. But, well, it's a big... It's There's like five stories in this thing. So it's pretty thick, but the pages are really wide. Oh. So it's not like a regular size book. Are they all... So there's five different stories about the Orient Express? No, that's or? just one of them. It's like a compilation of mysteries, and there's two volumes. Oh, are they all by the same author? No, nope, all different people. Really? Guess what's in there. Give me a hint. We reviewed the movie. Now, uh, mind you, this book came out a long time ago, this is, compilation. Is it Rear Window? Yes. That was a book? Apparently so. Movie first or book first? I think it was a book first. Hmm. So I'm excited to read it and see. What year did Rear Window come out? Do you remember? 50... Oh, it was. Something. Six. So it was before The Birds? Yes. Okay. I remember because it was... Was it? It was in color, wasn't it? I think it was. So maybe it was late 50s. Except for that fast forward scene at the end. I think that was in black <laughs> and white. Weird. Yeah. That was a little odd, but it's okay. It's okay. So yeah, just reading that. Try to do some more reading. Gosh, dude. As we come into the fall winter months, I started um, the Dark Tower series by Stephen King. I'm on the third book. I knocked out the first two books in like no time, but I got on this third one. And then and this tells you how long I've been reading it. I started it right before we started the podcast, and uh, I still <laughs> still That's haven't like finished four it. Four months ago. Well, the problem is I pick it up and go back to start reading it, and I forget what the fuck happened. So then yeah. I like have to go back two chapters to try to remember, and then I like always end up right at the same spot. That's what sucks when you stop. You have to go back and. I, I need, like I like reading like creepy stuff around fall. 
Like, well, plus I think it's nice to like sit outside when it's breezy out and it's mm-hmm. not fucking overly hot and you can read and be comfortable. That's what so. I did this afternoon. Must be nice. Yeah, it was very nice. Must be nice to be loaded. Seth is a self-made millionaire. <laughs> yeah, for right. all you, uh, what are those? What are those guys called? Um, the ha- Twinks? No, the House Boys, or what's that called? <laughs> oh, a House Boy. A House. For all you House Boys out there, I do not need a House Boy. <laughs> Seth is a self-made millionaire. I am not even close. He is. But yeah, it was nice. You know, I have those speakers out there, so I put on the the Spa Channel on Sirius. Ooh. Where they just play like you're shitting me. No, it just like plays <laughs> noises and stuff. <laughs> it was actually kind of nice having Dude, that on. I bet your neighbors hate you. They're like, "What the hell is that music out here?" Maybe I have them aimed pretty well, so it's mm-hmm. kind of contained. But sure, you do. Downtown listening to fucking uh, Japanese, fucking Japanese jerk off music. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> some of that kind of like chimes and like stuff uh, like that. Is there like a um? Is there like a random like uh, female voice in there? Like, do you want me to do you want me to finish you, sir? No. Do you no, want no, the no. full massage, sir? No, <laughs> not that I've heard yet. Oh, that's a bummer. That's a bummer. But, yeah. Mm. Well, since we recorded last, I haven't watched anything but uh, the birds. I was lucky enough to squeeze it in a day right before you got here. So that's uh, kind of what I've been up to. Yeah, you were watching it when I came in. Well, I can't. I, I didn't ever imagine the movie would be two hours long. So honestly, that was my fault. So, you know, hey, what are you going to do? But uh, due to that, uh, we are not going to do questions. We're not going to do, um, we don't have any ratings, so it doesn't really matter. So we're not going to do any of the questions section. We're going to jump right in to the discussion. If that's okay with you, of course. It's okay with me. Is it okay with, oh shit, Jessica's not here. Oh, bitch. Huh, who am I going to throw ice cold water on? I don't know. I guess it has to be me again. Take your shirt off, Seth. Okay, hang on. <laughs> All right. So our movie for the uh, Kruby's request number eight is The Birds. Um, this was requested by my dear, very near and dear to my heart, Ambie. So I should tell the story, I guess, real quick. Ambie does yeah. not like scary movies. She hates them, in fact. Yeah, but which is kind of funny that she listens to us. But. She listens to every episode because she likes to hear us talk about the movies because she likes to hear the stories. But not have to watch it. But not so. have to watch yeah. it. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I guess when she uh, was um, a young gal, The Birds was one of her movies that she did watch and it scared her, so she thought it'd be cool if we did it. So, uh yeah, but in all fairness, we threw it on the wheel like the first week we started doing listener requests. Yeah, it just never got picked. So. so it's not like we cheated and threw it to the front of the line. You know, you just you got you got to do that. Mm-hmm. So, um, this was my first time watching it all the way through that I remember. I know when I was a kid, I had watched it in my grandparents' house, but honestly, I didn't remember most of the movie. Some of the scenes looked familiar to me, so. I don't know if I've seen parts of it, but I definitely don't remember watching like the whole beginning. I didn't remember. Okay. But again, if I watched this like in high school, the beginning would have totally bored me. I mean, I agree, but I will say that now I did actually enjoy it. Oh, I did too, as an adult. Yeah, but I could see why, as a younger me who was, uh, you know, full of uh, piss and vinegar. Yeah. Mostly piss. Mostly piss. I don't really care for vinegar. But anyway, um, I, I would see how I would find this movie kind of boring back then. Like if I was like you, because again, I, you know, I like the slasher movies. So like the screams, Halloween's, all that stuff where people are getting viciously murdered. Right. Uh, this isn't that kind of movie, but I can, uh, 
I can um, get into it now. So I actually did really enjoy it. So yeah, I did too. It was really good. It was really great. It's really great, baby. Um, so <laughs> obviously, this was directed by none other than Alfred Hitchcock. The cock. The cock. As Seth said earlier, we did um, a Hitchcock movie for our second ever episode. That was Rear Window. That was Mm -hmm. Seth's pick. Yeah. Uh, It got a decent rating, honestly. It got a 3.93 average uh, Stabby's rating from us. Yeah, it did. I think I gave it the lowest with a 3.1. Yeah. But, But still, that's pretty high for you for this movie. Very true. I'm a rating snob. Um, so the actors in the movie, we've got uh, the character Mitch. He's played by Rod Taylor. The character Lydia, she's played by Jessica Tandy. Now, you know Jessica Tandy, correct? Oh, yeah. She's been a ton of stuff. You don't know Jessica Tandy? I didn't recognize her. What what else was she in? Have you ever seen Fried Green Tomatoes? Oh, no. I've never. This is Kathy Bates, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, I've never that. seen that. She was in. Did you ever see Batteries Not Included? Mm-mm. Jeez. Oh, Are these all old movies? Uh, 80s, 90s. Yeah, older. I'll have to look into I bet there's been something else I've seen her. She's been in a lot of stuff. Uh, uh, Driving Miss Daisy. I remember. I know the name. I've not, okay. I don't, couldn't tell you the movie at all. Yeah, she's been in a lot of movies. I believe you. I believe you. Yeah. Look me in the eyes. I believe you, sir. Um, so Lydia <laughs> is Mitch's mother. Um, Mitch's sister, she's 11. Her name is Kathy. She's played by Veronica Cartwright. Annie, the uh, town teacher, she's played by Suzanne Pleshette. Pleshette. Pleshette? What the shitty name? Uh, Melanie. Melanie, our main character. She is played by Tippy Hedren. You ever heard of her? Mm-mm. Some fun facts for you. Before this, she had never acted before. Really? Mm-hmm. She's, she's really good in this. I thought she was great. Plus, it yeah. helped that she was a very attractive woman. So Yes, of course. Yeah, she did a great job. Um, yeah, so that's really our main characters. Mitch, Lydia, Annie, Melanie, and Kathy. Yeah, everyone else just comes and goes. Comes and goes. They're not all that. I mean, they're somewhat important, but not. They're not all that? They're not all that. Uh (sighs) Uh-oh. It's sad. I have no one to throw this ice cold water on. Uh, Well... What a waste. What a waste. As always, we're joined by the beer bowl that I just pulled this deliciously ice-cold Miller Lite out of. Hey, did you listen to a podcast on Elm Street's new episode? came out today. No, I've not listened to the new one yet. Uh, get Mark is hooked on Miller Lights now, thanks to me. Really? Yes, he's drinking them every episode. I think this is his third episode in a row. Brooke is not. <sighs> that Brooke. We're going to have to talk to him. He's. He seems more like a wine cooler guy. I could see him getting down with the Smirnoff. Yeah. Smirnoff in his hand. Or the Mike's hard lemonade. What was Jessica drinking last time? Was that what she was drinking? Was it a Mike's? Um, I think it was. Oh, you know what? It might have been. Well, shit, man. Every once in a while, I get something right. Ugh, that's so 2005. You ready to talk about this movie, Seth? Yep, hit it. Hit it. I don't want to wait for our lives to be over. We do oh, need a song. Jessica <laughs> was so upset that we were so good at singing together. Why do you think she was so mad? I don't know. Which song was it? The Oh, the Reunited. <laughs> that was and hilarious. It feels so good. Uh, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> Haters going to hate, dude. Uh, okay, The Birds, 1963. Scene one, opening scene. Birds fly across the screen as they call, and the title is shown. 
Mm. That's a good opening. I didn't mind it. Although I'll tell you, these old movies kill me with all. They basically do the credits before the movie starts. Yeah, and I feel like they did that for years until what? Maybe the maybe the eighties they stopped doing that. I'm not sure, but there was like cawing and birds flapping around the screen. It was hilarious because I and again I listen to the movies through headphones, but it was kind of creepy. It was loud and it was creepy, but. Yeah. You ever been like sitting around and you feel like somebody's watching you? Yeah. So that's that's the feeling I got during the opening scene of this movie. Oh. Well, there's a reason. I slowly, out of the corner of my eye, see Church, our cat, creeping up on the side couch. Because, you know, in the TV room, we got the recliners yeah. on both both the walls. Here she comes creeping on the couch. She saw the birds on the TV. Uh, and she was, like, going okay. at the TV to get it. It was hilarious. That's really funny. But... Because I made a note that it was kind of cool that it was just bird sounds. There was no music. Yeah. It was just birds and the credits. Well, that's a good point, and we'll talk about it now. I guess during this whole movie, there's no score. So no, the, there's nothing. The movie's full of suspense, but there's absolutely no score. There's just the sounds of the birds and... Uh, but that's how her window was, too. Like, there's never any music. There's just... That's true. And I feel like it's more realistic, because that's what would it... What, that's what, what you would, would actually like. hear, yeah, right, when you... Like, if you were in that situation, sure. right. especially rear window, because it was just a lot of like uh, city sounds, yeah. cars honking, and yep. but there was no suspense music mm-hmm. or any, you know. Yep. No, I thought it was very cool opening, with the exception of all those freaking credits that I had to sit and watch. <laughs> had I known, I would have just. Uh, I think that's par skipped. for the course with these old ones. That's true. I should have known better. Yeah. A trolley car drives by as a woman crosses the street downtown. We still hear the birds calling in the background. So it goes from title screens right into the first part of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought this was funny. So a, a boy cat calls the woman, and she yeah. notices a bunch of birds in the sky. But when he cat calls or he like whistles at her, she turns around and smiles. Yeah, she's like, oh. Like she was like happy. Like, ooh. Hey, boys. But like that would never happen today. Now it's like if, like, a, I feel like if a guy cat calls a woman, it's like frowned upon. Like she'd be like disgusted. Like, you pig. Does anybody do that anymore? I would hope not, honestly. I might do it to Abby and stuff, but again, well, we're married at the house. But yeah. So you think that people, like if a good-looking woman was walking down the street, people wouldn't be like... Maybe. I mean, I've never heard that happen. Um, but I, I just, her reaction to me, I guess, again, it's 2020. This was 1963. Her reaction was like, she's excited. Like, yeah. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, I mean, we you, know we find out she's single. So, well, do you remember that episode of King of Queens where? Um, oh, jeez. I think Carrie, <laughs> uh, Carrie uh, doesn't think she's pretty or something. So Doug pays the construction workers the to cat call her. To cat call her no, as she's walking them. into her office. <laughs> so. <laughs> oh, dude, it's hilarious. But I feel like that's a big city thing. I mean, I'm not gonna walk through. Yeah. Urbana and someone's gonna cat call somebody. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, Okay. So this is our main character, Melanie. Um, She enters a pet store, and inside there are a ton of birds. So was this a pet store or just a bird store? We Later, someone calls it a bird shop. Okay. So I think it is just a bird store. I mean, there's birds in cages. It's a two-story shop, and they're everywhere. And maybe that was big then? I don't know. I don't know anyone that has a bird. I don't want a fucking bird. And we do see a sign that says it's San Francisco. There's like a... Correct. Little advertisement on a bus stop or something. <laughs> oh, shit. What? Advertisement? Advertisement. Uh, so <laughs> Melanie's told the bird she ordered is late. The lady, the lady working at the, the bird shop, she'd called and called multiple times. She can't get an update, but she's trying. She's trying really hard, Mrs. Daniels. Oh, Melanie tells her that, well, she's just going to have to deliver it to her, and she gives her her address. I have a note here. I said, I can't tell if she's being bitchy or not. 
Like, Wait, Melanie? Yes. She's being kind of bitchy. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know because she was like polite about it though. But yeah, like, I think she's just being direct. Yeah. Well, it's not ready when you said it would be, so you better deliver it. A man enters the store and asks Miss Daniels, that's Melanie, if she can help him. So he thinks she works there. He's looking for lovebirds for his sister who is 11. Melanie pretends to work at the store. She's calling the birds by the wrong names as the man continues to correct her. Uh, he asks her why they keep them in cages, in separate cages, and she says to protect the species, of course. Melanie talks the man into a canary. As she gets it out of the cage, it flies all around the room and lands on the counter. The man puts his hat over top of the bird and is able to pick it up and put it back in the cage. So do you think she's doing this just to flirt? I think that's exactly what she was doing, yes. Yeah, that's what I thought. And then obviously he knows she's full of shit. Uh, well, yeah, especially because of this next part where as he's putting the bird back in the cage, he says, back in your cage, Melanie Daniels. Shocked, she asks how <laughs> he knows her name. He tells her, a little birdie told me. Tee hee. Oh, how funny. He tells her they met in court. Actually, he saw her in court. He tells her... Um, one of her little uh, tells her about one of her little pranks where she broke a window and he thinks that she should be in jail. I, they never really did elaborate on that. No, huh? Um, he tells her that he thinks it'd be good for her to know what it's like to be on the other end of a gag, and he leaves. He tells her that he'll see her in court. Mm -hmm. mm. Them fighting words. Melanie runs after him and sees his license plate is WHJ zero zero three. Oh, I didn't, I didn't go in that detail. I just Sorry. She got the license plate number. <laughs> I got it in my head, Seth. Mm. Uh, and just so everybody knows, that has no bearing on the rest of the story. That license plate doesn't really matter, except for the next part, where the pet store uh, woman tells Me uh, tells Melanie that the minor bird would be there later this evening, and she if she'd like to come back and get it. Of course, she's kind of bitchy with her and tells her, no, you can basically, bitch, you can deliver it to my yeah, apartment. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, Melanie picks up the phone and calls a newspaper. She asks for Charlie, um, and then she has him uh, give her the number, or, or does he call? I don't know. Somehow she gets the guy's information from his license plate. Her dad is uh, part owner of this big newspaper in San Francisco, I think. Is that correct? Yeah, so she's calling some, I'm guessing, investigative reporter that has connections at the motor vehicles and can get the information, because like, you couldn't just call and get that as a civilian gotcha normally so like rear window there's a private investigator yeah in this. yeah mm, okay or a journalist of some kind i just assumed as she hangs up she asks the uh, pet store worker if she has any lovebirds and asks her to order them for her because they don't have any the lady tells her they'll be in in the morning hmm not a bad opening scene no um, different it was different it's definitely different than movies today yeah um I do like Melanie. I think she's she's a good actress, and even and I was actually shocked to find out that she had never acted before. So yeah, I think she's really good in this. Yeah, she is. And again, I couldn't really tell if she was. Um, she's trying to portray a rich girl's what she's doing, and like obviously somebody who's privileged, essentially. Right, which is why which we get from when she calls the newspaper and her dad owns it or whatever. Yes. So it's like okay, and so then she's I a think, socialite of some kind, right? And the guy in the store, Mitch, that was the Mitch guy from mm. earlier in the store. He um, kind of leads us to believe that she got out of being in trouble a lot based right. off who she is. Right. So, uh, scene two: the lovebirds. Melanie gets into an elevator carrying a golden cage with two birds inside. She sets the cage outside of a door and leaves a note that says, "Mr. Mitchell Brenner." 
A man stops her and asks her if those are for Mitch Brenner. Duh, dude. There's a note right there that says Mitch Brenner. (sighs) He tells her that he's not home. He won't be back until Monday if those birds are for him. I do like how he gives up all this information. They <laughs> they do that a ton in this movie. Yeah. There's this, throughout the entire movie, it's like, totally I different. I don't know who you are, but here's all these personal things about this person. <laughs> well, yeah, and it's even worse when they when she gets to Bodega Bay, right? Yeah. But um, so anyway, uh, Mitch's neighbor tells her that uh, Mitch went to Bodega Bay. He goes every weekend. It's up the coast about 60 miles north, an hour and a half by freeway or two hours by coastal highway. We cut to the birds on the floorboard of uh, Melanie's car. <laughs> I got her driving. She's like flooring it. Did you see that? <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> I'm like a freaking maniac. <laughs> yeah. She's ripping around these curves. You can hear the tires squealing. Yeah. And, I mean, but clearly she's not driving. Like, they're, they're in front of a green screen. Right. Um, you can clearly see. Uh, and, but I did have a note about the special effects. I was like, oh, my God, these special effects in this green screen. <laughs> they were probably good at the time, though. Uh, I yeah for 1963 I thought yeah. all of the effects in this movie for you know considering, but I never really understood why she's driving like such a crazy person. They all drive like that. Yeah. Did you notice that? Let's peel out every time they leave. That's what I, I thought was so funny because the pacing of this movie is so slow. Yeah, and then but like as soon as somebody gets in a vehicle, they just peel out. They haul ass <laughs> every one of them every time. Um. So we see her driving up a, a windy coast. She arrives in a small fishing town and parks at the general store. This town is Bodega Bay, like we just talked about. Yeah. Inside, she asks a man where Mitchell Brenner lives. I think it's like a general store slash post office. It is. You're correct. Yeah, so I correct. think he's like the postmaster. Ooh. Yeah. That's a fucking cool title. Postmaster. Postmaster Josh. Postmaster. Hmm. Anyway, I thought this was hilarious. It gets worse later, but like, she's like, where does Mitchell Brenner live? And he's like, oh, come right outside. <laughs> he takes her outside. He points across the bay. So you see those two trees? See the big white house? That's where he lives. She laughs and uh, says, the Brenners, oh, Mr. and Mrs. Brenner? And the man tells her, no, Lydia, the two kids, Mitch and the girl live there. Yeah. Um, she tells him that she wants to surprise them, so she doesn't want to take the road. He tells her that she could get a boat and float right over to their dock. She asks him uh, how she could get a boat. He tells her that he'll call one for her. They go back inside. She asks him what the little Brenner girl's name is. He tells her he thinks it's Alice. He yells to a man in the back. That person thinks her name is Lois. Yeah. <laughs> they go back and forth, and finally uh, the postmaster says, no, it's it's Alice. Trust me, her name is Alice. So I made a note here, like, Okay, why is she going to all this effort for somebody she doesn't even know? Like, she drove all the way up here. Now she's going to rent yeah. a fucking boat. She bought these birds. I got two two things from it. The first one, maybe three. We'll start with, we'll start with the first one. The first one is she clearly liked the guy Yeah. When, when he came in there, right? I think that she's probably used to getting whatever she wants. Mm. And this guy was like, came at her real hard. The second thing I think is that he knew everything about her and knew her history. Oh, that's that's a good point. And she didn't know anything about him, so I think she also probably doesn't like to be one-upped. Mm. So I think she was probably, even the way that she brings him the birds, she's kind of I think trying to like poke the bear, like, hey, you found out about me, I could find out about you. Yeah. So I think that is why. Because it's kind of borderline, like, stalkery. You could not get away with that in today's, no, in no, today's no. world. Um, so, yeah, one, one, one of two things, maybe both, a little bit. I think she was flirting, obviously. Yeah, I think she liked yeah. him. 
Um, but I also think that she wanted to prove that, hey, I, I can find shit out about you, too. Interesting. That's how I took it. I yeah, no, good good point. Oh, thank you, thank you. Tell all your friends. Um, yeah, so they go back inside. Um, they're arguing over the name, yada, yada. She tells him that she needs to know the exact name of the little girl. So again, this is why I think she was trying to what she was trying to do is show, hey, I can find out whatever I want about you. I have connections also. Um, the postmaster tells her where the school teacher lives and that she should go there and ask about the little Brenner girl. She tells him that she'll take the boat in about 20 minutes. So I have a note here. I said, this would never happen today. Oh, no. no you no, no, you no. could not. One, if you went into a town like that, I bet you most of the people don't even know. Uh, granted, he was the postmaster still. Right. But... They're not going to be like, oh, yeah, Seth lives right over there by that big red tree in that greenhouse. Well, but maybe. So, the, I mean, if the school only had 30 kids in it, which we find out later, maybe there's only like 200 people in the town. I don't maybe. know. Maybe. I, I just feel like today, in today's age, like people don't aren't that friendly. <laughs> no, not not like this. Like, I feel like if you had a, a, a weekend home in that town, you were going there to get away from people, and you probably don't want to communicate with other people. That's true. Maybe that's just me. I that's don't true. Know. That's true. The other thing is you would never be able to go somewhere and find out information about a kid. No, definitely not now. Right. Especially no. as uh-huh. easy as she does in scene three. Yeah. Just go ask the school teacher. And tells her exactly where the school teacher lives. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Simpler times. Scene three, the school teacher. Melanie drives to the school teacher's house and walks to the front door, rings the doorbell. The school teacher comes around from the back of the house and introduces herself. I thought it was funny. She's like, the teacher's like, who's there? And she's like, me. Yeah, just me. <laughs> like, who's me? Again, I think that this is uh, some, some slow character building. This this lady is used to getting whatever she wants. So it's, who is it? It's me. But yes, this is a horror movie that does have character building. It does. Which many don't. Two hours long. Yeah. Melanie tells her um, who she is. She introduces herself, tells her who she is, and that she'd like to know uh, the little Brenner girl's name. She tells her that her name is Kathy. They joke about mail not being delivered to the correct place. So Melanie tells her that, hey, the post office guy didn't know her name, and that's when Annie, Annie is the school teacher. She's, mm-hmm. They make a little joke about, oh, no wonder the mail doesn't get delivered to the correct place here. Um, oh, shit, I forgot to mention it. But uh, back at the post office, I also, I didn't know where this movie was going, so I didn't remember it, so I didn't know how much of if this was going to be like um, like a ghost town or something, but I thought it was weird. Or maybe that that family didn't really exist, but I thought it was weird that like they didn't know her name. Like as much as they knew about everybody, like they didn't know, yeah. oh, her name's Kathy, her name's Lois, her name's Alice. Like, Yeah, I guess it is kind of odd. I was like, hmm. But, yeah. Uh, anyway, back to Annie's house. They both light up cigarettes. Yuck. Um, she asks if she's a friend of Mitch's, and Melanie says no. They talk about the amount of spare time they have in Bodega Bay. So apparently not a lot happens in this town. Yeah, because Melanie compliments her garden, and she's like, mm-hmm. well, I have a lot of spare time. Annie asks more questions about how Melanie knows Mitch. As Melanie drives away, the teacher watches her mysteriously. So they have this Something really... Something fishy. Yeah, they have this really awkward exchange. You could tell Annie's kind of questioning almost a little jealously why uh, Melanie is asking about Mitch. Yeah, definitely so. leave something like, hmm, what's going on there? What the hell's going on? Is Mitch a killer? Ooh, I didn't even think about that. We don't know. 
back in town, we see Melanie riding a car to Kathy as she gets back in her car and drives down to the dock. As she walks down the dock. She peels out and leaves. She peels out and leaves. <laughs> she gets to the dock. She walks down. As she's walking down the dock, another eerie thing I noticed was like all these men down at the dock are watching her. Obviously, she's a beautiful woman, but like. Well, she's clearly clearly an out-of-towner. Yes, totally. She's in like an Aston Martin pulling up in this podunk town she's like all dressed up yeah in like gold colors Mm -hmm. everybody else is wearing just you know jeans that kind of stuff um a man starts the boat for and she takes off across the lake toward the brenner's dock i thought that was kind of funny because she just says oh i have a boat and he's like oh here it is and she never says anything else yeah she just gets in the boat and leaves (laughs) she doesn't say thanks or like um so this boat is like I thought for sure it was not going to make it. I was like, oh, this thing's going to die halfway out there. But <laughs> it looked it, a little choppy to go across on that. Boat, it looked but. rough. It looked rough. Yeah. Uh, clearly another green screen um, scene. So they're, um, the, again, the boat's beat up. It's kind of, um, I don't know, it's, like, it's like got algae all over it. It's, it's really nasty. Again, I thought the thing was going to die halfway there. but it's Just like a little fishing boat mm-hmm. with a b- motor on the back. Um, as she approaches, she sees the Brenners are leaving in a truck. It looks like uh, just the girl and the woman leave, and the man goes into the barn. She kills the engine and paddles the rest of the way to the dock. She clearly does not want him to know she's uh, what she's up to here. She gets to the dock. She ties the boat off. Melanie carries the birds in the cage up up the dock to the door of the house. She goes right in the door. Just <laughs> right like breaks in. into these people's house. She sets the bird cage on an ottoman uh, with a note to Kathy. She checks out the front window to see if the man is still out in the barn. Oh, did we note that she switched the letters? Mm, good point. Yeah, so she originally wrote Mitch a letter which she right. rips she rips up and leaves Kathy. Yeah, she wrote a different one. Yeah. Okay. That's, That's kind call. of important. It is. Um so she walks back down to the boat, pushes herself out of the dock and paddles back out into the lake. We see Mitch come out of the uh, come out of the barn and go into the house. He runs back out and looks down the road. He turns and sees the boat um, when Melanie sees him notice the boat, she like ducks down to hide, but he runs in the house, grabs some binoculars and he can look in and he sees that Melanie's yeah. in the boat. Right. So I think she kind of wants to get caught. I think sorta. so too. Yeah. Uh, well, clearly, I mean, who, how, who else would have brought lovebirds that she had talked only about with him in the shop. Right. Well, and then he jumps in the car and of course peels out. And yeah, she, they're and all, she sees it, and then she's like smiling the whole time, so she knows that she got caught. Well, and when he sees her through the binoculars, he smiles too. So, yeah, um, yeah he gets in the car, hauls ass around the lake, <laughs> and um, before she even makes it back, we see that Mitch is standing on the dock waiting for her. Mm-hmm. So this lake isn't that big, I guess. No. Um, so as she approaches the dock, a uh, seagull swoops down and hits her on the head, <laughs> yeah. cuts her head open. Uh, Mitch, like Spider-Man, jumps in the boat as it approaches and helps her out of the boat and, and onto the dock. Um, he says he's never seen anything like that. It's like it swooped down deliberately. <gasps> Mitch tells her he might need, or Mitch tells her she might need a tetanus shot. She says she had one before she went abroad last May. Had a booster May. before I went abroad. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, the special effects of the bird swooping down I thought were pretty good. They yeah, actually, it's not bad. Wasn't bad. No. Here we go, another Jeepers Creepers scene. Uh, scene four, inside the diner. They walk into a diner, and as they enter, everyone stops eating and immediately looks at them. Yeah, of course. <laughs> so what other movie did they do that in? It was Jeepers Creepers and... Oh, fuck. It was uh, a recent one. Ah, shit. I don't remember. 
Um, I don't know. It'll probably come to me. Yeah. The owner comes over to check on her, and as they sit down and brings them some cotton and some peroxide, the owner definitely makes sure she did not hurt herself inside. He was sued last year by a man who tripped. Mm-hmm. Mitch tells him that he doesn't think Miss Daniels, that's Melanie, is going to sue anyone. The owner says, well, you're the lawyer. So now we know Mitch is a lawyer. Because yes. remember he said he had seen Melanie in court. Right. Now we know. Now, now we know. we know. Uh, Mitch tells her that usually he defends people. He's a criminal lawyer. She tells him that he wants to see violators and practical jokers behind bars. He asks why she's in Bodega Bay. She tells him um, to bring the birds up. He asks her why she traveled all the way to bring him the birds. She said that they were in uh, that they were for his sister's birthday um, because he had said it was her birthday. But then she also lies to him and says that she's in town to see a friend. He asks her who the friend is, and she lies again and says, yeah. Annie Hayward, it's a school teacher. Um, he, te- he says, well, what a small world, and asks how she knows Annie. Uh, she, again, lies again, says they went to school together, they went to college together. He asks how long she'll be staying up there, and she says for the weekend. Did you notice that during this entire time, he's like kind of smirking, and he knows she's lying? Yeah, because we find out later that <laughs> obviously he knows she's lying. <laughs> again. Uh, so, But honestly, again... A testament to her acting because she, mm. I mean she does a really good job in these scenes and yeah. for have never acted before. Um, yeah. Anyway, so he asks her again if she came up to see Annie, and uh, he says, "I think you came up to see me." She tells him that he has no manners, he's arrogant and conceited. She wrote him a letter about it, in fact, but she tore it up. Just then, Mitch's mother walks in, and Mitch introduces them. Um, this lady, so this is Lydia. This is Mitch's mother. Um, Lydia. She acts very odd right out of the gate. Mm. This is Jessica Tandy, by the way, for all you Jessica Tandy fans. I bet there's a lot of people out there listening to this just because they're Jessica Tandy fans. A young Jessica Tandy. Hmm. So she acts kind of like jealous and odd. Very weird. Yeah. She's like, hmm. Hmm. What's up with this guy? What's up with this gal? I Who mean. is this bitch? Uh, Mitch tells his mother that he's invited Melanie for dinner. He wants to pick her up, but she lies again and yeah. says that she's staying with Annie. And so she tells him that she can find her own way, but she's not sure because maybe Annie had already planned something. He tells her to be there at seven, but she never really fully commits. Mm-mm. During this whole time, Lydia's watching her like real mysteriously. I don't yeah. know. I couldn't get a like couldn't get a feel for her, whether she was creepy or she was just like what is this woman's deal? Well, like, I also think and we find out later um it was almost like she knew her. Kind of, yeah. That's yeah, the vibe yeah. I got. So again, I didn't know exactly where this movie was going. So at this point in the movie, I'm kind of like wondering has this woman been to this town before or like is she like what does Lydia know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Scene four, back at Annie's. Melanie goes back to Annie's, and there's a room for rent sign, which I didn't even see the first time. I saw it at the beginning. Okay, she asks yeah. Annie if she can rent it for the night. She asks Annie if she can use her phone to call home. Something unexpected came up. As she walks in, we hear seagulls. <gasps> <laughs> and Annie asks if they'll ever stop migrating. Don't they ever stop migrating? Dun, dun, dun. We cut to Melanie arriving at the Brenner's for dinner. She walks up and rings the doorbell, and we see Mitch, Kathy, and Mrs. Brenner come up from behind the barn. Again, I thought this was so weird. This movie gave me so many mixed signals. Because, like, she comes up to the door, rings the doorbell, and then you see them walking around the backside of the barn all dressed up. Yeah. So it's like, 
are these people ghosts? Like, are they real? Like, what is... Did you get that vibe no. at all? Really? Uh, I just figured they were dressed for dinner, and then we find out why they were in the barn. Yeah, but at first I was like, why are these people walking up from the barn? Like, I don't know. We find out here in a moment. Okay. Kathy runs up and hugs Melanie. Again, Kathy's the 11-year-old sister of Mitch, um, and thanks her for the birds. <laughs> God, you gave me these birds? Uh. <laughs> Mitch tells her that they were out back looking at the chickens. There's something wrong with them. Lydia, the mother, says she's calling about the food. There is something wrong with the food, not the chickens. She's calling Fred. She's pissed, Fred. Mm -hmm. Fred's in trouble, boy. Uh, Mrs. Brenner dials the phone as Melanie and Mitch make a drink. A lot of brandy being drunk. Drunk? Yes. It's a big brandy movie. Hmm. What is brandy? It's like an. I thought it was like an after-dinner drink. Hmm. It's a brown liquor. Is it heavily... Uh, is it like a whiskey? Kind of, I think. I've never had it, but... Hmm. I. Anytime you've seen people drink it, it's like they're not drinking very much. It's oh, like okay. a little... Like a dessert type? I don't think it's sweet. I just... I don't know. I don't think people just drink it. Well, I'll tell you what. Next episode, we're drinking some fucking brandy and stuff. I definitely don't drink it like I drink whiskey. So. Oh, boy. <laughs> Mrs. Brenner talks to Fred on the phone about the chicken feed. He tells her that other people's chickens aren't eating and they had different brands of food. Shit. Fudge, man. These chickens. <sighs> We cut to Melanie playing the piano and talking to Kathy. Kathy tells Melanie that her brother mostly knows hoods in San Francisco. <laughs> that Ms. was funny. Mrs. Brenner says that uh, it's a democracy. Everyone is entitled to a fair trial. Hmm. He mostly knows hoods. So he is a, did it say, he said he was a criminal defense lawyer, didn't he? Yeah. But is he like a public defender? I, they didn't say that. They just oh, said he okay. was a, yeah. Uh, they discuss a case that he's working on where a husband shot his wife in the head because she was wa he was watching a game and she turned the channel. Sounds about like here. But you would just shoot somebody if they changed the but channel? But if they turn off the, mu the country music awards, sure. No, mm. of course not. Of course not. Mm. The little one might, though. She's meaner than a fucking rattlesnake, dude. You don't mess with her Eric Church. If you turn Eric Church off while the little one's watching... Mm -hmm. mm. Kathy asks Melanie to stay for her party. But it's supposed to be a surprise. So she tell, basically tells her how the whole surprise party's laid out, which I thought was pretty funny. Yeah. It almost sounded like she helped plan it, honestly. Well, she knew everything about it. Yeah. In the kitchen, Mrs. Brenner asks Melanie how long they've known each other. She's a real charmer. I think, actually, Mrs. Brenner asked Mitch how long him and Melanie have known each other. Yeah, it's Lydia and Mitch are talking about Melanie in the kitchen. Yes. Yeah. Um, Mrs. Brenner tells him that, um, oh, Lord. She's always in the columns. That's right. Mrs. Brenner tells uh, tells him that... Um, she jumped into a fountain in Rome naked. Correct. So mm -hmm. her, uh, again, her dad is part owner of this, the largest news, one of the largest newspapers. And she makes a snide comment that you would think with her dad being so high up that he'd be able to keep her out of the print. She's always in the columns. Mm-hmm. Jumping mm -hmm. into fountains naked. Yep. Mitch stops her and tells her that he thinks he can handle Melanie Daniels on his own. Mm -hmm. She says, well, as long as you know what you want. And he says, oh, I know what I want. Mm -hmm. Again, I, another mixed signal. So I'm like, is this guy like out to get her or like what? Yeah, I mean, it was kind of hard to tell. Does he bring women to this town and they can't leave? Or, like, what? what's up? Well, especially that... after Annie's comments. It's like, right. okay, is he, like, a playboy? Like, what's the deal here? Well, that comes up here in a minute, but exactly. That even further dug into my theory. Because I was like, oh, I know what's going on here. This movie isn't about birds. <laughs> <laughs> 
Mitch walks Melanie to her car and tells her that he hopes to see her soon. He tells her that perhaps they could get together and swim sometime. His mother tells him that she likes to swim. Oh, boy, did she get mad at this. She tells him that his in- for his information, she was pushed into the fountain and had her clothes on. The paper that ran that story happens to be a rival of his father's paper. He tells her that he's heard she runs with a pretty wild crowd. She tells him, well, that is true, but she was pushed into that fountain. She admits to not knowing Annie Hayworth and not coming up to see her. He asks her if she really wrote him a letter and what did it say? She tells him, it said, Dear Mr. Brenner, I think you need these lovebirds after all. They may help your personality. (laughs) (laughs) She tells him that she ripped it up uh, because it seemed silly and mean. He tells her that he'd still like to see her. He thinks it might be fun. She tells him that might have been good enough in Rome, but not here. He asks her what she wants, and she said, I thought you already knew. I want to jump into fountains naked. Good night. Hmm. And she hauls ass off, screeching the tires. We hear birds chirping and going crazy. Scene five. Mrs. Daniels, is that you? Melanie arrives back at Annie's and they make a glass of brandy. Another glass of brandy. Annie asks how their evening went and asks if her and uh, asks her if she met Lydia. Or would you rather change the subject? Hmm. Annie tells her that she's from San Francisco and friends invited her up a few years ago. It was actually Mitch Brenner. They've been over and done with for a long time. Melanie tells her that there's nothing between her and Mitch. Annie says she's not surprised there's never been anything between Mitch and any woman. Hmm. 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 She asks if Lydia seemed a trifle distance. Why would she be a trifle distant? I wonder. Hmm. What is going on with Lyd? Her attitude drove Annie crazy. She tried to figure out what she'd done to make her hate her. She says that now that Mitch and her are done, they're actually very good friends. Lydia didn't like her because she isn't af- afraid of losing Mitch. She's afraid of being abandoned. Hmm, that's Kind of weird. Yeah. That's deep. Deep. Annie says that she moved to Bodega Bay because she wanted to be near Mitch. She still likes him a hell of a lot, and she doesn't want to lose that friendship. Well, Ever. Good point. All of a sudden, the phone rings. Bring. Annie answers the phone and tells uh, uh, tells Melanie the phone is for her. It's Mitch. She tells him no, that she had no trouble at all. She simply followed the road. Again, a little weird. This movie's creeping me out. She tells him that she must get back to San Francisco, but then she agrees to go to the birthday party the next day for Kathy. Annie says she'll be there too to help. Outside of the house, there's a bang on the door. Annie opens <clears throat> the door and we see a seagull laying on the deck. Annie says, poor thing, it must have lost its way in the dark. Melanie tells her, but it isn't dark. There's a full moon. Hmm. So now we know that Annie's there because she fell in love with Mitch in San Francisco, moved out there to be with them, but he's only there on the weekends. What's up with that? I don't know. It is kind of odd. We were just talking about in the last episode, birds flying into windows and stuff. And here we go. That's true. These birds are everywhere. Spooky. Again, this was, at this point, dude, I am like, I know it. This guy brings women here. They're like ghosts. They can't leave. They're like stuck there for some reason. Maybe they're like troubled spirits he's trying to fix. Did you really? Know. Yeah, I really did at this point. I, I guess I knew that this was about birds, so I never, it never came to me that. I thought maybe the birds were just like a I, metaphor for something. I don't know. Well, even later in the show, they kind of are, but like, I don't know. That's what I really thought. Plus, we were like way into the movie, too. By that point, so I'm like, well, there can't be like a huge plot twist, can there? But I, whatever. 
Mm. Scene six, the party. We see Melanie and Mitch walking up a hill discussing the hillside. Mitch pours Melanie another drink, and she tells him that she can't stay. She has to drive. She tells him she can't stay um, because she has to get back to San Francisco for her job. She works as a traveler's aide at the airport. She takes a class at Berkeley, and then on Thursday, she has her meetings where they raise money for foreign exchange students. She doesn't sound like that bad of a person to me, Seth. No. She sounds accomplished. Maybe not. I don't know. She tells him that in Rome, it was very easy to get lost. So when she came back, she got busy finding something to keep her out of trouble. Getting her shit together. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. She tells him that she was in um, she was in the bird ship picking. What the fuck does that mean? What? What? She tells him that she was in the bird shop picking up a minor oh. bird for her Aunt Tessa. <laughs> Once she gets back, she'll be giving her the bird. So, again, she was there to get a present for her aunt. Yeah. Melanie tells him that her mother ran off when she was young and went off with some man to the east. She asks him if he knows what a mother's love is. He says he does. And then she says, it's better to be ditched. Mm. Melanie's got mommy issues. Yeah. Well, uh, wouldn't you? Um, probably. I already have, you know, mommy and daddy and, you know, I got all kinds of issues over here. He asks if she ever sees her and she tells him that she doesn't know where she is and walks off back down the hillside to where the kids are playing. They rejoin the party. They go back to the party. We see Annie playing blindfold hide and seek with the kids. Mrs. Brenner comes out of the house and looks at Melanie awkwardly. Still does not like Melanie. Not at all. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, seagulls start attacking the kids at the party. Oh, Uh, shit. Popping balloons. One hits Kathy in the head. Annie yells to uh, help her get the children into the house. Mitch and Melanie fight the birds off of the children and round them up and get them into the house. So, again, I have another note here that the special effects or the practical effects weren't terrible, honestly. No, not for for the time. I mean, I think you could tell some of the birds were, like, mechanical. Yeah, so I have a note here. Um, Some of the birds, a lot of the birds were actually real. And they actually had live birds attached to Melanie's clothing during some of the filming, especially the scene where later where she gets attacked. Oh, wow. But they use, for the most part, they use scenes or clips of real birds. Um, there were scenes where they put birds' faces and beaks on hammers and used those to kind of make it look like the birds were attacking and pecking and breaking. Oh, wow. Yeah, so that's how they on did the practice. Yeah, mm. that's how they did the practical effects. They also used raw meat and fish to attract the real birds. Interesting. Um, and I guess these birds were so well-trained that um, they couldn't release them back into the wild, and they weren't able to become people's pets later. So, like, I don't know what they did with all these birds, but... Oh. Yeah. Maybe um, I don't want to know. Guessing they ate them. <laughs> oh. Uh, anyway, they get everybody into the house. Annie tells Melanie that this is three times. Melanie tells Mitch this is not normal. The gall in the boat yesterday, Annie's last night, and then the bird attacked today. Shit. All Mitch cares about is Melanie staying for dinner, though. He's like, you have to stay for dinner. I'd feel a lot better. I can't leave. I want to get a BJ. (laughs) (laughs) That's what he's thinking. Oh, shit. If they gave BJs back then. I don't know if they did or not. I probably did. I assume it's an old art form. Oh, okay. (laughs) 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 Oh, shit. Scene seven. Dinner number two. Melanie stays for dinner. Big shocker. Annie had to leave. She was expecting a call from her sister. Lydia tells them that they should uh, hurry and eat because she's sure Miss Daniels would like to be on her way. So Lydia does not want Melanie there at all. This is actually just like hors d'oeuvre. She still has not committed to dinner yet. Mm, Okay. All right. Kathy tells Melanie that she thinks she should stay. They have an extra room upstairs. 
Why not stay? As they discuss Melanie um, taking the freeway to get home quicker, we hear the lovebirds going crazy in the other room. The lovebirds being the actual lovebirds that she no. that, that she brought, right? All of a sudden, a swarm of birds come through the chimney and into the house. Mitch yells and tells them all to cover their faces and their eyes, and he grabs ah. a table and covers the fireplace and, and swings some- a towel. Is that a towel? Well, he puts some pillows in front of the fireplace, and I think it's a towel or a blanket or something. He's swinging something around wildly. Uh, Again, we see birds hitting against Kathy and Melanie. Melanie's laying over top of Kathy trying to protect the child. Um, Mitch fights off the birds with the towel or the rag or whatever. Melanie grabs Kathy and Lydia and helps them out the back door. We cut to a police officer talking to Mitch about the bird attack. The police officer believes that the birds were just panicked and that they weren't really attacking them. Um, while Mitch is talking to the police officer, Lydia is uh, picking up broken dishes and looking sad. I, I thought they'd go into this later, but they never really said. Mm. And this stupid cop, like, okay, a couple of birds maybe coming in, mm-hmm. but like this was like a hundred birds, a it shit wasn't ton of like birds, a few. Yeah, it was a shit ton of birds. So that's a little more than oh, they just panicked. No, right. Lydia no. tells the officer that the birds <laughs> attacked them. They were not spooked. Lydia walks over to the piano, and she, um, as she does, like a picture of Mitch's father swings down off the wall. Yeah. Again, I'm like, man, this place is haunted, dude. This is what it is. Melanie tells Mitch that she'll um, take Kathy up to bed. She brought her things in the car, and she thinks that it would be best if she did stay the night. Lydia is pissed. Not happy. She walks off to put Kathy to bed, and we see Lydia looking off in the distance, clearly unhappy that Melanie's staying. Mm. scene eight the next morning Lydia and Mitch are outside talking Lydia and Kathy leave in a truck as Melanie is in the bedroom getting ready Lydia arrives at the faucets uh, which is the other family that had chickens that had issues Lydia enters the house um, because Dan doesn't answer the door Uh, as she enters she sees some broken cups along the wall she checks the bedroom and there's a seagull stuck in a broken window as she looks around the room we see the man dead he's got blood all over his legs and his eyes are missing isn't this her dad i don't think so i guess i had that it was but maybe maybe it was dan and i missed uh is dan Fawcett? maybe it's dan maybe her dad he was the other um farmer in the area that was having issues with the chickens uh, Lydia runs awkwardly out of the house, gasping. She runs to her truck and takes off again, hauling ass. Like his eyes were gone. I thought he looked like. <laughs> I thought he looked good. Um, <laughs> but again, the effects were good. His eyes were missing, but no, definitely scary. These birds fucked this dude up. I like how she just runs out, doesn't say anything to the farmhand dude. Can't talk, just gasping. And then just <laughs> floors it and speeds out of there so she hauls ass home mitch and melanie run up to help her get out as she gets out of the truck she pushes she pushes melanie um and mitch away and runs into the house she still doesn't say anything it just runs inside no um inside the house melanie's making tea for lydia um i think mitch tells her the sheriff wants him to come over to the faucets and help like with the investigation don't really know why they're asking him to come help but uh they like he awkwardly kisses the back of her neck yeah it was weird um, she tells him to be careful and then walks him to the door where they kiss again. I I said, that's like a quick transition. Yeah. And they went from not liking each other to like being kissing cousins. You know to what I mean? Playing kissies. I thought that was a quick transition. Yeah. But, um, Melanie takes Lydia up the tea that she was making for her. And uh, Mitch goes to the Fawcett's farm to help investigate. They Lyd- probably could have done without this scene. I thought this scene was probably a bit much, but I, again, I think that there's so much dialogue in this movie also. Like, there's so much dialogue that, like, I think that's why the freaking movie was so long. I mean, this gives a lot of background on Lydia and 
uh, right. Mitch's dad, but I don't I don't know that it was necessary really to the plot, but it was it was a lot. Um, yeah. So Lydia asks Melanie if she thinks Kathy's all right. She keeps asking her through this whole scene. Do you think she's all right? Like, which is why I thought, man, she's like fucked up. Like maybe yeah. she's having issues mentally. I don't know. Um, anyway, she asks uh, Melanie if she thinks Kathy's all right at school. She asks her if she thinks she sounds foolish. Um, Lydia tells us she keeps seeing Dan's face. That was the farmer that mm. had the pecked out eyes yeah. and the broken windows. She wishes she were a stronger person. I'm going to paraphrase all this because this is a long scene with a lot said. Basically, what she tells her is that she wishes that she were stronger. Her husband had died four years ago. Um, basically she was ashamed that she had depended on her husband so much for strength. And when her husband died, she was basically alone. And I think that's why she migrated to Mitch so much and probably why Mitch has all these failed relationships. Right. Um, she says, I'd love to be able to sleep. So clearly she's not sleeping. And then throughout this whole thing, she keeps asking, is Kathy all right? Do you think Kathy's all right? Um, and she says, I don't usually fret about my children. I still wake up in the morning and go down and make Frank breakfast until I realize that Frank's not here. But it gives me a reason to get out of bed. So clearly she's having issues. And the father had died four years ago, right? Yep. Okay. Yep, 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 yep. That's basically that scene. But it was a good 10, oh, at least minute scene. It was long. And again, there's a lot of great background, but still, this movie yeah. was two hours long. Like You, you could have cut a lot of this dialogue out and still yeah. had a really good movie. Um. The yeah, s- the school. Um, but real quick, uh, Lydia tells her that she doesn't even know if she likes her or not. Melanie basically tells her it's really not important if you like me. It matters if Mitch likes me. Yeah. Again, showing Melanie's strong character, or yeah, she's a strong character. So yeah, Lydia's still kind of a bitch for sure. I don't even know if I like you for sure. Um, but anyway, then Melanie, even though she's like this strong character, she agrees to go to the school to get Kathy for Lydia because Lydia's freaking out about Kathy. So scene nine, Bodega Bay School. Melanie arrives at the school and as she enters, we see Annie and um, she's like instructing choir practice. She gives her like, hey, just a minute sign. So Melanie goes back outside. Yeah. She leans against the fence waiting, uh, waiting, lighting up a cigarette. And this scene was really cool because we, we see birds <laughs> landing on the playground behind her. And then in the background, we hear the kids sing. So the kids are singing in the background of this whole scene as these birds just continue, these black crows continue to um, land on the playground and it just gets consumed with these birds. And what is this creepy ass song they're singing? And it goes on forever. Like, what is it? I didn't catch it, but it was something like burying your husband or burying your father or something. So I'm not really sure. It just made it creepier. Well, I'm sure that's the intention, but it was creepy with the birds, the kids singing this, whatever this song was. Right. It was definitely creepy for sure kids singing like that is always creepy i agree uh a nightmare <laughs> on elm street does it great when they sing they have the kids sing the freddy song in the background i think mm. that's really cool um so melanie notices that the playground's like becoming full of these birds and she like jogs and these people run so weird in this movie but she had on heels right. so well, she sees like a bird fly overhead and she turns around and sees there's like 500 birds on this playground right um so she goes in and she goes up to annie tells her she needs to lock the back door she shows Annie all the crows outside. They've basically taken over the playground. And Annie says they're going to show Miss Melanie how they do a fire drill. She tells the kids that live close to the school to run directly home, all the kids that don't live near the school to run down the hill to the hotel. As kids leave the school and run the hill, the crows are like landing on their backs. And at one point, it shows like a crow pecking a girl's face, and the crow like is yanked off of her, and her face isn't like bloody or anything. So it was like, uh. 
But again, like it's all just bird noises, them screaming, no music. Right. So it's just, I think that makes it creepier. Yeah, no, and the birds were mostly grabbing the clothes, their hair, and their, like, backpacks. So, yeah. it was, I don't know. I, it wasn't a bad scene. It was just the, the first, I made a note of it because it was the first time that I thought the special effects were kind of iffy. But, again, 1963, so. Do you think they would have been better off staying in the school? Well, I guess at later we find out probably not. But I don't think that they would have been. At the time, it's like, huh. Well, they're all trapped in there, right? So at least if you... It sounds terrible, but at least if you have everybody out running, like... Yeah, that's true. You know, rather than birds in a cage. Huh? Huh? See what mm-hmm. I did there? See yeah. what I did there? Yeah. <laughs> well, that was pretty sly of you. Oh, uh, shit. Uh, Kathy falls on the ground. Her face is bloody, and Melanie helps her up, and they get into... I think this is Melanie's car. It's somebody's car. It's not Melanie's car. Well, some kid falls... And like her glasses fall off mm. and they get stepped on and Melanie grabs her and Kathy. Okay. Now Kathy goes to help the kid that fell and then Melanie helps the two of them into that car. Okay. And there's no keys in the car. So mm-hmm. she honks the horn. But as she does this, the birds clear off and um, are gone. Scene 10, back at the diner. Melanie is at the diner talking to her father on the phone, telling him what's going on. She tells him about the bodega school and that the crows didn't attack until they went outside. Daddy. There were hundreds of them, and they attacked the children. An elderly woman named Mrs. Bundy comes in to get cigarettes. She tells Melanie that the crows and the blackbirds are very different species. Their brain pans are not large enough to coordinate an attack. So this lady's like a bird expert, right? Somehow. I don't know like who she is in the town. Well, she gets real philosophical because she says, It is actually human beings who make life hard on this planet. If it were not for the birds, then she's interrupted by the diner owner who cuts her off and tells her uh, tells that the school was attacked. A man in the corner starts ranting about being it being the end of the world as a waitress looks at him like he's crazy. Um, he's taking shots of whiskey or something, and then he also has a drink there. So this guy's loaded. There's like a lot going on in this scene. There's a ton. Uh, again, Mrs. Bundy cuts in, tells him there's no way the birds attack the children. It's just not possible. A fisherman stands up in the corner of the room and tells him that his boat was attacked last week by a group of seagulls. It almost sank his boat. Mrs. Bundy tells him that the seagulls were likely after his fish. Let's be reasonable here. Melanie asks Mrs. Bundy why the crows attacked the children then. Bundy asks her what she thinks, why they were there. Melanie tells her that she thinks they were trying to kill the children. Another man sits down and tells them that they're scavengers. Get yourself some guns and wipe them off the face of the earth. Mrs. Bundy laughs and says it would be it would hardly be possible. There are 8,650 species of birds, and 5 million live in the world, and that there are more than 1 billion uh, birds in the world. So I'm thinking 5 million live in the U.S. maybe. She a, said something about the U.S. I thought she said a couple hundred billion were in the U.S., and then it was, okay. it was some huge number. Yeah, there's a fuck ton of birds, basically. Yeah. Um, we don't have a chance. Way more than people. How could we possibly hope to fight them. Keep in mind, this woman just said that birds aren't aggressive and wouldn't fight us anyway, but now she's saying we can't fight them. But, well, you know, what do I know? Suddenly, another woman stands up and scolds the group for fighting. She says that the woman saw them attack the school. Why don't you just believe her? She asks how to get to the freeway, and a different gentleman tells her she can follow him as soon as he finishes his drink. Ugh, this hysterical woman with the children is so yes. annoying. Just then, <laughs> Mitch and the sheriff come into the diner. Mitch tells the people in the diner that Nan Fawcett was killed by the birds. The sheriff tells them they don't know that yet. They don't know that it was the birds. It was likely a burglary. Mitch tells them that they need to take this more seriously. They have to do something right now. They should make smoke pots to create fog and then direct the birds into a light. Like, what? Yeah. 
Oh, Mitch, 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 Mitch. Outside, they see a man attacked by birds pumping gas. Mitch and the sheriff run out to help the man. The gas line is still running, and the gas runs down the street underneath some cars. A different man gets out of one of the cars and lights a cigarette with a match. Melanie tries to warn the man, but he drops the match into the gasoline, and it lights an explosion. I think a bird swooped down and hit him, didn't it? Yeah. Okay. So bird swoops down, hits the man. He drops his match into the gasoline, blowing up the cars and trailing back to the gas station, blowing up the station. Yeah, this is a a lot going on right now. Yeah, this is a serious scene. Yeah. Uh, the birds begin to attack the townspeople again. Melanie gets in a phone booth. Why she left the restaurant, I don't know. But she gets in a phone booth and locks herself inside. Uh, this is another green scene set. And the effects, I didn't think were terrible. So there's like birds flying around all around her while she's in this phone booth. They're hitting yeah. the glass. They're attacking the people out on the streets. They're attacking the firemen trying to put the gas station out. Like that's like the whole town's under attack. Yeah. So like Seth just said, the fire department shows up. They're trying to put the fire out while the birds are attacking. There's a horse and buggy that shows up. <laughs> yeah, it was pulling some kind of cart, obviously. It, it was, got free. It was produce, wasn't it? Wasn't yeah. it like lettuce and stuff yeah. falls on the ground? Um, some like bloody dude bangs up against the phone booth. And oh, yeah. There's the all bir- kinds of stuff going on. Birds are hitting the window. The man hits the window up against the phone booth. The glass breaks. Mitch runs out and eventually gets her out of the phone booth and carries her into the diner. As they enter the diner, it's empty, which I thought was weird. Yeah, I was like, what the fuck? Then they walk around the corner, and uh, in the back, you see everyone's like hiding in like a hallway, yeah. huddled together and looking at them angrily. Mrs. Bundy's kneeling down, and she won't even look at him. I thought this was creepy, this scene. Yeah, so the woman earlier, Seth said the panicked woman with the children. Um, the hysterical chick. She like walks up to Melanie and asks her why they're doing it. Why are they attacking? They told her. They told her this all started when you arrived. I think that you are the cause of all this. I think you're evil. And then she screams the word evil, and as she yells, Melanie slaps her in the face. She bitch slaps her. The diner <laughs> the diner owner runs in and tells them that he thinks um, that they're going away. Yeah. So we start to hear the birds kind of trail off. Um, and as they do, Mitch and Melanie run off to Annie's to get Kathy. Holy cow, dude. What a scene, huh? Well, and these bird noises that... Every time they're attacking, it's almost like, ugh, I don't know. Yeah. Like nails on a chalkboard noise. So what do you make of this theory, though, that none of this started happening until she came to town? That is kind of interesting. I agree. Again, well, we'll discuss it at the end. But okay. Yeah. All right. Scene yeah. 11. Off to Annie's. Mitch and Melanie walk to Annie's as they pass the school. They see the crows are all lined up on the playground again. They've basically Everywhere. overtaken the school, overtaken the yeah. playground. Uh, they basically creep past the school because I don't think they want to set the birds off. But uh, right. the crows are also all over Annie's house, all over the fences in Annie's house. Everywhere. And as they approach the house, they see Annie's been attacked and she's dead, laying on the steps. Um, we see Kathy in a window. We can see her through the window and she runs out to the porch to Mitch. Mitch grabs a rock and acts like he's going to throw it at the birds, but Melanie stops him. I, I didn't really get that. Well, because she thinks it's probably going to get him. Mm, okay. Attacking. So she's like, Mitch, no. No. He takes off his sport coat and covers Annie's dead body with the jacket. Melanie tells him, we can't leave her here. Yeah. And he picks her up and carries her in the house. Mitch, Melanie, and Kathy walk slowly down to Melanie's car and get in. Kathy tells them that when they got back from talking, Michelle, uh, taking, whew, when they got back from <laughs> taking Michelle home, they heard the explosion. They went outside to see what it was. Annie was attacked, but pushed Kathy back inside, saving her life. So Annie, Annie saved her. Annie died yeah. saving 
Kathy. Poor Annie. She just loved Mitch so much that she sacrificed herself to save his younger sister. Yeah. Or she's just a good person. She's a good-hearted Samaritan, that Annie. The school teacher. Oh, boy, here we go. Scene 12, boarding up the windows. Back at Mitch's, we see that they boarded up all the windows to the house, and Mitch says that it seems like these birds have a pattern. They strike, they disappear, then they start to gather again. Do you think they boarded up these windows really quick? Yeah, it was like most of them were done <laughs> already. <laughs> and this house has a lot of windows. Uh, but then you see that huge circling of birds. Yeah, so Mitch sees the birds circling off in the yeah. distance. Inside, Lydia yells and tells him that they're getting something over the radio from San Francisco. Uh, basically, we hear over the radio about the school attack, but they don't really say much. It's basically, no. hey, uh, in Bodega Bay, there was a school that was attacked, and we're looking for more details. Because Mitch is like, that's it? Yeah, he's like pissed. Yeah. Mitch tells Lydia that they've covered all the windows, and he must get more wood to keep the fire going so they stay warm. Lydia freaks out and tells him he doesn't he doesn't know what to do. If only his father were here. They start like a little bit of a bickering session, but Kathy gets between them and tells them to stop. Melanie and Mitch go outside to get more wood and see a group of birds flying off. Back inside, Kathy asks Mitch if she can bring the lovebirds in. Lydia screams, no. She went full Dr. Loomis here from Halloween. Lydia like kind of loses it off and on. I'm telling I'm still at this point. I'm like, is any of this happening or are these people like, crazy like is is any of this really happening i don't know I, st I still don't really know to be honest with you but yeah mitch walks around the house and checks the windows just to make sure they're boarded up all uh, real good you don't want these birds getting in here mm -mm. as he leaves the kitchen he stares at the lovebirds before going back to the living room as they sit around the living room kathy starts to get sick and melanie goes into the bathroom with her and kathy can be heard vomiting so at this point these people have known each other for a half a day at best yeah and all of a sudden, Melanie's like acting like Kathy's mom. Lydia's just sitting over in the corner freaking out. She's supposed to care about these kids so much, but. Yeah, Lydia's kind of, I think, feel like she's kind of lost it at this point. She's just like. I agree. Yeah. Um, so they come back out. Melanie is on, on the couch comforting Kathy. Lydia's sitting off in a corner by herself and Mitch sitting by the piano. From the kitchen, we can hear the lovebirds chirping as we hear crows calling outside as well as wings flapping. It starts to grow louder and louder, and Kathy runs to Lydia, freaking out. The birds continue to get louder as a seagull flies through one of the boarded-up windows. Mm. Mitch uh, fights it off, and we see Melanie pushing herself up against the wall. It was almost like she was freaking out at that point. Well, this is kind of weird, because, like, especially Lydia just kept, like, moving to different parts of the room. Like, every five seconds, she was like, right. ugh. Uh, like it was weird i don't know if it was supposed to be like the sound was supposed to be so overbearing and loud that like they just couldn't handle it i think that's what they were going for here when i had a note like this whole scene all you can hear is the birds you can't yeah. hear them they're saying stuff but you can't hear them right like i mean it was kind of cool i think that's what what was supposed to be had is it was just supposed to be so loud they just didn't know what to do they couldn't handle it but mitch it was <laughs> mitch is like fighting four birds off at once by himself he ends up ripping like a cord off of a lamp and tying the windows shut. Well, I think what happened was the shutter opened. Mm, okay. And he's trying to reach out and pull it in. That's when his hand gets all fucked up, and then he ties it shut with a, a lamp cord. So he goes into like the bathroom or the kitchen to like, clean his hand up, and we see yeah. the front door is being knocked through with bird's beaks. Yeah, and I God. think this, like I said earlier, this was one of the scenes where they had um, put the bird's heads and beaks on the hammer, and we're just yeah, like hammering it through it, yeah. the door. Which, again, was pretty cool because they don't really see that. I don't know how they don't hear that, but they don't. We see it behind yeah, them. Yeah. 
I don't think they noticed till later. But the birds are so loud that, you know. Right. So when Mitch comes out of the bathroom from cleaning up, uh, that's when he notices the door. He grabs like a large wooden coat rack and he nails the door shut. Um, when he finishes securing the door, that's when all the lights go out in the house. And so now the power's out. Yeah. Uh, he grabs a flashlight. We see birds' beaks coming through another boarded up window. Suddenly the calling just starts to stop slowly and we can hear the birds flying off. Yep. <laughs> so I don't know at this point I'm like what so was there like a time do they do it for a certain amount of time is there I'm trying to like connect the dots like okay what happened that made these birds stop at all these different times I, I couldn't come up with anything no I mean I don't it never really gets explained I mean we don't know right scene 13 this is no time for a nap oh <sighs> In the house, Lydia, Kathy, and Mitch are sleeping on the couches and in a chair. Melanie is up and looking at the fire. So Melanie never falls asleep. No, everyone um, else is sleeping. She hears the bird's wings from another room in the house. Um, she says Mitch, but he doesn't wake up. He's like out of it. Uh, she grabs a flashlight and goes into the kitchen where we see this, the two lovebirds are still in the cage. She hears the fluttering behind her and turns around. We see the steps. She walks uh, up the steps. Why does she go up there? Continues hearing the noise. Um... Yeah, so she walks up the steps slowly. She starts to turn that doorknob, and we hear the wings fluttering, and I'm like, oh, what are you doing? No. No, Melanie. Sweet Melanie. Do don't not do go it. in that room. She slowly opens the door, and as she <gasps> enters the room... She gasps. There's a huge hole in the ceiling. She signs the light up toward the ceiling, and then we see the bird is like, inf- or the room is infested with birds. Yeah, so there are a shit ton of birds in this room. They start attacking her. They're cutting her face, her hands, her arms, her legs. She tries to open the door, but she can't get the door open because the birds are hitting the door. She's hitting him with the flashlight. She's hitting him with her hands. They just continue attacking her. She's calling for Mitch. I thought she was a goner, to be honest with you. Well, she was getting pecked everywhere. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. She, like, passes out in front of the door. And then, of course, here comes Mitch, right? So he wakes up, and he tries to open the door, but she's laying in front of it. Yeah. And then our savior, Lydia, shows Lydia! up. Lydia! Lydia helps him open the door, and they yeah. fight off the birds together and pull Melanie out of the room. I thought it was kind of funny that he, like, grabs her by the arm and pulls her out. <laughs> Well, he's, like, clutching at her clothes, like, trying to pull her through. I'm like, you got to grab, like, a limb or something here, dude. Like, why don't you just <laughs> ram into the door and knock her out of the way? I know. Uh, outside of the room, Mitch carries her down the stairs, and Lydia goes to get medicine, and Kathy goes to get Brandy. Brandy, it's a big, big part of this movie. Um, I saw kind of a character change here with Lydia, didn't you? Yeah. So I, I don't know if yeah. maybe she had saw Melanie comforting Kathy, or I'm not really sure. Well, she but snapped out of whatever her fucking... But she almost yeah, went she into, was. like, mother mode. Yeah. Um, Melanie wakes up and starts flailing around, still trying to fight off the birds. Uh, obviously, she's downstairs on the couch now, so there's no birds down there. But uh, her face is covered with blood, and she looks at Mitch, like, super confused, like, almost like she didn't know where she was at. Um, Mitch gives her a drink of brandy as Lydia cleans up her face. Mitch tells Lydia that they have to get her to a hospital. They have to get her to San Francisco. That's like, Melanie's car, it'll be way faster than the truck. Oh, here we go. Mitch looks outside and sees the entire front yard is covered with birds. Mm. Uh, he goes out the front door to try to use the radio in the car. Cause I think Lydia tells him, we'll go see what's on the radio. Yeah. He walks slowly across the porch. He basically has to move all these birds with his feet. There's so many birds. Yeah, like, you, can't everywhere. Even, you can't even see the deck. No. So they're all over the deck, the floor of the deck, the rail. They're all over the roof. They're out in the trees. They're in the, these fucking birds are everywhere. So he goes into the garage, gets in the car, checks the radio on the radio. They say that, uh, 
Bodega Bay is the only attack site of the birds. The town has been blocked off so nobody can get in. Most of the town has made it out, and they are determining whether or not to send in the military. I thought they said some other neighboring towns were attacked. See, I thought that they said it was secluded to Bodega Bay. Hmm. Which I took as it's secluded to Bodega Bay because she's there. Maybe. And all the birds came to where she was at because the attacks follow her. Well, not necessarily because the guy said his boat was attacked by seagulls. Exactly. But before that, nothing. No other stories that we mm-hmm. heard. That we heard. All right. Uh, Mitch gets out of the... Uh, I'm sorry. Mitch drives the car. Or no, he does. He gets out of the car slowly. He opens the garage door. And as yeah. he does, we see all the birds outside of the house. So honestly, I was waiting for him to open the door and the, just the birds to be gone. I was like, these people are hallucinating or something. Like, see, I didn't think that at all. He starts the car and he drives it out of the garage slowly. The birds do move out of the way. I think some of them peck at it a little bit, but yeah. um, he gets out of the car. They're pecking at his feet. Um, he goes back into the house, um, and he and Lydia help Melanie out the door as she's like in a trance. Yeah, she's like fucking lost her mind. When they open the door, the birds are still all over the place. They're yeah, all they're over everywhere. Melanie's car now. They walk out the door. Melanie screams, no, no. Like, like shut, shut up, up, bitch. He punches her in the face. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't do that. <laughs> uh, so Lydia and Mitch continue to help her to the car. As Mitch puts them both in the car, he walks back to the Porsche to get Kathy. This is where I was like, shit is about to hit the fan. Well, and then Kathy wants to bring those damn birds. Mm-hmm. I'm like, God, really? Scene 14, the final scene, Kathy and the lovebirds. The lovebirds. Kathy asks Mitch if she can bring the lovebirds. They haven't heard anyone. Inside the car, Lydia is holding Melanie and hugs her. This is, again. Yeah, character change. For sure. Now they're all inside the car. Mitch starts the car and drives away from the house. The birds begin to squawk. In call, and we see a shot from the front porch of the car driving down the driveway away from the birds as they grow louder and louder. The car continues to drive off in the distance and goes around a bend, disappearing as the credits roll. The end. Whoo wee. I like how they picked the car with the soft top. Like that's the better choice. Well, I think it was faster. <laughs> and again, I think earlier in the movie where she was hauling ass around the curve and she was like a speed racer. A precursor I think, to, yeah. yeah. I think they were showing like, okay, this car's got some balls to it. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's from a non-car guy. Balls. Ballsy car. Aston Martin sports car. Is that what it was? Yeah. Oh, wow. Those are expensive, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Well, she's supposed to be a socialite. Is that what they're called? Yes. I'm a Miller Lite kind of guy. Mm-hmm, girl. Do you think we could get sponsored by Miller Lite? Probably not. We ain't that big. I don't require a lot. Like, just like, I don't know. Like, maybe a case of beer a week? Maybe by Schlitz. They might sponsor us. I mean, I would drink Schlitz or PBR. PBR would be cool as fuck to be sponsored by. I feel like they're popular now, though. Yeah, it's it's a uh, hipster thing. Yeah. 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 You want to rate this bitch or what? Let's rate it. As everyone knows, or maybe you don't, maybe you're new. So we give every movie a Stabby's rating. That is a up to five. Every movie gets a Stabby's rating. Yeah. Every movie gets up to five Stabby's. Some of them have gotten zero. The platform, zero Stabby's from me. Um, Up to five. So how we rate this is... 
Seth will give it a rating. I'll give it a rating. We'll average that out, and that'll be the average rating from the horror movie crew minus Jess. Um, to date, leading the way is Terrifier with an average Stabby's rating of 4.7, followed by Brightburn at 3.52. Coming in third is Sleepaway Camp at 3.1. Bringing it up the rear, we got the platform with a .93 stabby rating. Hellraiser with a 1. And Ghost Shark with a 1.75. Bah. Average stabby's rating. Seth, Horror Movie Crew, Kruby's request number 8, The Birds. As requested by Aunt B. What do you give this? 4.5. Oh, wow. Yeah. You went big with it. Mm-hmm. 4.5. Son of a biatch. That's a good movie. It really is. It's a really good movie. Um, Man, a 4.5, though? Yeah. Dude, I thought... I already knew what I was going to give it, but I thought that my rating was going to be high. Shoot. Yeah. Well... Um, okay, so I gave the birds a 4.1 Stabby's rating. Wow, that's I did not think it would go that high. 4.1. I liked it a lot. Um, the ending of it, I tell you what, depending on where the ending went, it could have probably gotten a higher rating from me, but that ending, man. I know. And I was talking to my dad, actually, on the way here, and... I was telling him we watched this movie. He's like, oh, he said, oh, my dad always hated Hitchcock movies because they always ended like that. Like, what the fuck happened? <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that they leave it open to interpretation, right? Which it's like, okay, let everybody decide for themselves what was going on. But like, you want to know, like, okay, did they get away? What caused it? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I didn't have time. This is my fault for being a bad podcast host, but I didn't have time to look up theories. I bet there's a bunch. Yeah, honestly, I'll probably see because I rented this on uh, Amazon. Vo- I used Voodoo excited uh, credit, but um, yeah, I'll probably have Abby watch it. Maybe I'll look up some theories. I did think it was good. I wish it weren't two hours long. If it were like ninety minutes, that, that and again, I'm a ninety minute movie snob. But I feel like if it was ninety minutes, that'd have been the perfect. There's a lot of dialogue that could have been cut out of this. However, we knew a lot about the main character, though. Which I think is good. So I, I can't argue that. Um, I guess what made it a half an hour longer was that. Yes. But hang on. Yeah. Let's talk about that and getting lit and talking shit. Okay. Fine. Which we're going to jump into right now. Okay. Getting lit and talking shit starts now. Boom, boom, boom. That was great. <laughs> I need to get a one of those xylophones where you like bang Ooh. on the bells. Like, I'm sure we have one in the house. Um, yeah. So real quick, ratings. Rotten Tomatoes critics, Seth. What do you think they gave this movie? Being a Hitchcock, I bet it was high. I'm gonna say eighty-five. Ninety-five percent wow. critics at Rotten Tomatoes. Wow. What do you think the audience at Rotten Tomatoes gave this? Seventy. 83%. IMDB, 77%, 7.7 out of 10. We gave this, this is groundbreaking. Are you ready? Yeah. From the horror movie crew, this movie got an average Stabby's rating of a 4.3. It's leading the way. 
Of the Krubies? Of the Krubies request. Hot damn. If this were an HMC episode, it'd actually tie Texas Chainsaw. So it would actually be one, two, three, four. It would be in the top five. Wow. And you should have picked this instead of Rear Window. I like Rear Window, (laughs) damn it. (laughs) (laughs) I actually did like it more a lot more than Rear Window, truthfully. Whatever. Um, yeah, sorry. Anyway, so now we have a new top three. So leading the way is The Birds, requested by Aunt B. It's a 4.3 average Stabby's rating, followed by number two, Terrifier. That was requested by a podcast on Elm Street. That's got a 4.17. And then in third place is Brightburn. Uh, that was suggested by T. Faust, and that's got a 3.52 average Stabby's rating. So. so I'm sure we'll do Psycho at some point, so I'll be interested to see where that falls mm. in here of the Hitchcock movies. That's a good point. Yeah. Oh, man. What did you think of the uh, Psycho remake with Vince Vaughn? Um, it was all right. I didn't hate it, but I didn't love it. I was, yeah. What was it like 98, 99 that came out? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I didn't, I didn't love it. I don't think Vince Vaughn did terrible, but it's, I don't know. So we didn't need it. Like you did, you didn't need it. Like why do it? Well, it was like a straight remake, wasn't it? It wasn't even like, yeah. 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 It was, it was not, uh, yeah. Um, anyway, back to what we were talking about, the ending. So your dad said that the Hitchcock movies are. That's what he said. He said his dad always hated it because it was always that kind of ending. Like an ambiguous ending? Yeah. I agree. I wanted to know, like, again, I maybe it was my own fault. I set myself up for failure because, like, I was, like, thinking of all these alternative things that were happening. Like, I don't know. It was just the birds. It was just we. And again, I th- I also think though that because the movie was what nineteen sixty three. Yeah. And we talked about this in Rear Window. The 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 actor that played Mitch was a lot older than he was probably supposed to be in the movie because he lives at home with his mom and his sister is supposed to be eleven. Well, he doesn't live there. He lives in San Francisco. He just goes there every weekend. But he looks easily fifty. Yeah, I would have said, yeah, probably. And his sister's 11? Yeah, and his mom looked maybe 60. Right, and yeah. Melanie looks probably in her 20s. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So that's why I was like, okay, this... But luckily, I'd seen Rear Window first. Yeah. And I was like, that's just how these were. Because it was the same thing with Rear Window. Yeah. The guy that played the main character was a lot older than the female that oh, was the guy that played mitch like a big actor at the I, time his name's rod taylor i didn't look him up truthfully mm. but yeah so then i'm like oh, it's so stupid but maybe not i don't know i was like so maybe melanie was a bad person is this guy like attracting her to this like town where maybe these people with bad histories get stuck like is that why annie was stuck there I don't know. Now I'd be curious to see what the fandom stuff says. That's where I was at the whole time. Like I get the bird at. It's called the birds. The birds attack. Right. But like yeah. the whole time, I'm like, there's there's some sort of like, um, I don't know the uh like the <laughs> uh some sort of alternative meaning or some sort of like underlying message with all. Especially once they brought in Mrs. Bundy or Mrs. What was her name? Mrs. Bundy. Mrs. Bundy. 
And she's talking about how humans are terrible and we're destroying the earth, which is funny because it's the same message in 2020. That we, yeah, right? like I was surprised that they were even saying that back then. But it's like, is that are these people bad and like even like all maybe all the people in the diner the lady with her kids like where was the did you notice that like the husband wasn't there yeah that's true lady and her kids the miss uh lydia and mrs brenner whatever she lived with the kids there's no husband i'm like is there like what is going like i don't know I, there's something's mm. weird about this town but like it never i'll have to look it up and see i just wonder if maybe hitchcock was a visionary of that kind of thing i don't know or maybe he's like the uh film version of and again i love this this man to death my favorite author but stephen king is known to not really write great endings great books yeah maybe. endings aren't good maybe. maybe hitchcock just couldn't end a movie maybe he liked to piss people off and be like hmm, yeah i figure it out <laughs> i think that it is like it's like a musician when they have like an album they put out and people ask well what is the meaning behind this song and they're like i'm not going to tell you that's for you to listen to it and come up with your own yeah meaning of what it means to you maybe yeah. i don't know I, we could sit here and talk about this all night i don't know but i just feel like for me i i probably would have liked it more if i had known like hey this is what's like going what on. caused it yeah so i don't know um some fun facts about the movie. <sighs> fun I, facts with, with Josh. Josh. God damn it, we're good, dude. <laughs> um, so this movie was inspired by an event that Hitchcock saw in the paper. I guess there was an incident where a bunch of birds had uh, di- uh, attacked people and then died, and then they were all washed up on shore. Yeah. And that's kind of where the um, uh, inspiration for the movie came from. Supposedly, the school they used... To film the school scenes was haunted. I guess a lot of the actors that filmed there um, well, like got creeped out. They said like when you were in the school, even by yourself, it felt like there was like a presence of a lot of people there with you. Hmm. So I thought that was kind of cool. I did think it was odd that it was such a big schoolhouse and they were only in the one classroom. Because it was like a two-story school with a tower. Yeah, it was really big. And they tried to make it feel like it was just like a one-room schoolhouse. That's yeah, because they were only in the one room. That's true. I wonder if it was something before and they just made it to school. Like maybe it was an old apartment building or something. And nah, it looks like a schoolhouse. I think. Okay, fine, yeah. fine. Yeah, an old apartment <sighs> building, please. Oh, shit. Again, they attached live birds to Mel's, uh, Melanie, the actor, uh, the actress that played Melanie. Her clothing um, during the scenes. So that scene in the attic at the end where Melanie was getting attacked in that bedroom yeah. upstairs, that took seven days to film. Oh my God, why? Yeah. I guess because it was so much on the actress and like the makeup at the time, I guess, and that uh, they didn't want to like mentally scar this lady forever, I guess. So they did, uh, <laughs> instead of doing it all like just in one day and nailing it like they probably would now, they did like a bunch of short shoots for seven days. Wow. Uh, last thing I have for fun facts, this is actually hilarious. Um, so when they premiered this movie, for like celebrities or whatever, like they do, like the red carpet showings and now I don't know how they did them back then. But when they premiered this movie, um, Hitchcock had them put uh, outside of the theater, they put speaker boxes in the trees. And when the people came out after watching the movie, they had like that, those bird sounds playing oh. outside of the theater. <laughs> so I guess he was like a big practical joker. I remember that from Rear Window. That yeah. he, would, he would like play tricks and pranks on people. But So did you say what it cost to make it? Not yet. What do you think the budget was? Like, I don't know. This has to be inf- like inflated for today's 
What is it? It's $3.3 million budget. Oh, that has to be inflated. Box office was $11.4 million. So I'm thinking it's... Um, Adjusted you know. for inflation. Yeah. Yes, correct. Because that's a lot of money in 1962. <laughs> 3.3 mil? Yeah. Yeah, and again, it, it only made 11.4 to box office. But again, I don't... It's not like it is today. It'd be interesting to see... Uh, People are going to hate me for saying this, but I almost think it'd be cool if they redid this movie just to see what today's special effects and what they could do with it. I'm actually surprised it's never been redone, honestly. It's true. Well, she probably has, and we just don't know. We're stupid. They're going to look like fucktards. (laughs) (laughs) Speak for yourself, sir. These stupid horror people Mm. don't know shit. These guys don't know fucking idiot. Anything. What that one reviewer said, they sit and yell at the... the, uh, at the radio when they're listening to us. Complete oh, <laughs> lack ra- complete lack of research. They yell at the radio. <laughs> what a fucking loser. That person needs to get a fucking life is what that My neck. To do. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> oh shit, man. Okay, um before we get out of here, this will be the last Kruby's request until November, I think. As we enter the Halloween month. Yes. So I, I think it's safe to announce it now, don't you? I mean, Might as well. we got to announce it at some point. So I think what we're doing in October is we're going to go away from the Kruby's request for a little bit. Start doing pornos. And we're going to do the porn podcast. Yeah. So we have obviously, I'm sure a lot of people are wondering why, we have not done any Halloween movies. I talk about Halloween on every podcast probably. I'm sure it gets brought up at least once. Mm-hmm. We haven't done any Halloween uh, movies on the podcast yet, and there's a reason for that. Right. So in October, we're going to do Halloween 1 and 2, the originals. We're going to do Rob Zombie's Halloween 1, Rob Zombie's Halloween 2. Those will be full HMC episodes. Jess will be here with us when we do those. Instead of Kruby's request, Seth and I are going to do Halloween H2O because you're obsessed with Josh Hartnett. I mean, oh, I was at one time. You want to take Jello shots out of his butthole? I don't know if I go that far. Well, I'm just saying, maybe. Maybe 1998, Josh Hartnett. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about present day, Josh Hartnett. Uh, uh, and then we are also going to do the movie Trick or Treat, which I don't. You have not seen, correct? I have not seen that. No. Dude, the movie is awesome. So those are instead of Kruby's request, uh, Seth and I sat down and talked. We're going to do H2O and trick-or-treat for Halloween. So October is going to be all Halloween episodes. Um, Halloween-themed episodes, I should say, because trick-or-treat is not a Halloween movie, but it is Halloween-themed. So that's what we're doing. And aren't we doing Halloween Town? Yeah, we. Can, I mean, if you want. Shit, I already told you, dude, I could sit down and record a podcast every day. I'm obsessed with it. So like, if you want to get together and do Halloween Town, we could do Hocus Pocus. Uh, we oh, that could might do... be a fun one to do. Here's a question. We should have used this for our question. We'll just do it now. To you, is The Nightmare Before Christmas a Halloween movie or a Christmas movie? Nightmare Before Christmas? Mm-hmm. Hmm. I think it's kind of both. Hmm. Okay. Mm, that's a tough one. The kids are watching it now, getting amped up for uh, Halloween. That's why I, I question. I always thought it was a Christmas movie, but. No, I'd, I'd put it a Halloween movie mm. if I had to pick one. We're split 50 50. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. So, yeah, we're not spinning the wheel. We're not adding a movie. We're not removing a movie. Um, we're on pause until November. 
Yeah, we're on pause till November. On pause. I mean, till November. I guess we could just spin the wheel and pick one for November if we really wanted to. I suppose we could. Oh, what the hell? Why not? Do you have it open? I do now. I didn't, to be completely honest with you. That's a good thing I'm a good, fast clicker. So, on the Wheel of Death, we currently have The Evil Dead. That was requested by, again, T. Faust. We got Sleepaway Camp 2 by Mal Macabre. Shaun of the Dead by A Dork Who Lifts. Paranormal Activities by our good friend Rain Bird. He was just, we just did his movie. What was that movie? Ghost Shark. Ghost Shark. He needs a new one. He's got to get a better one on here. Or was it Ghost Penis? It I was don't know. Something. Ghost, ghost something. Frankenweenie is what it was. Yeah. That's another one we could do if you want to do cartoons. Uh, <laughs> Amityville, 2005. That was by Bethany. That's one of Jessica's friends. It, 1999 by Pooey. If we do that, that's got to be split into two episodes. Oh, my God. That movie is so long. <laughs> Silence of the Lambs. That was an Instagram poll we did. And then The Evil Dead 2 by Kelly. So, uh... Kelly, I got to be honest with you. I don't want to watch Evil Dead 2 before I watch Evil Dead. So if we spin the wheel and it says Evil Dead 2, we're probably going to do Evil Dead <laughs> first. <laughs> Does that make sense? I suppose we should, right? Mm, makes sense. All right. You ready to spin the wheel? Spin it. Spin in the wheel. It's spinning, spinning, spinning. Amityville Horror 2005. Ooh, Ryan Reynolds. Oh, dude, you're going to get Josh Hartnett and Ryan Reynolds back to back. I'm probably going to jerk off to this movie. Oh, God. We won't be watching that together, thank God. Um, Seth, Kirby's request number eight, The Birds. It is now the topped, topped, <laughs> the top rated Kirby's request with a 4.3 average Stabby's rating. You have anything else you want to talk about? No, I think we covered this movie very, very well. well I'm glad we didn't do questions and answers and all kinds of shit because we're already at an hour and 30, so we would have been well, at like... There was a lot of content. Six hours. So, hey, AMB, thanks for the suggestion. We clearly yeah. liked the movie. If you don't have anything else to say... No, I mean, we did not discuss our favorite scenes or anything, but... Did you want to? I mean... No, it's too long. All right. We're good. In that case, we're out of here. Bye. Bye, y'all. <laughs> Fucking loud. <laughs> Jesus. Why are you screaming? I was... Night. Okay. Oh, you can come give me a hug. Stop there. Oh. I love you. Oh.
Oh shit. You're alright, it's fine, I got it. Good night.